There's a word from the Lord today as we continue the year-long theme that God has given us for this ministry for 2021. It is entitled Restore, Support, and Strengthen. And as we said at the beginning of the year, the Lord uh, has invited us to speak throughout this year uh, with messages and share messages uh, that, that reiterate this theme, theme to restore, support, strengthen. Even the sub-series of this series, amen, God has given us. We began in the first week of June with a series that's simply called Attitudes. What God said, challenging me to put this series together, is that a lot of people would never be restored and strengthened until they're able to deal with their attitudes. Attitudes matter. Somebody say attitudes matter. Amen. The expression goes, attitude determines altitude. Amen. Where you end up in life often has more to do with your attitude than your abilities and your talents. And so we've been sharing attitudes. We formed a word cloud with the attitudes that we have talked about since June. Gratitude, contentment, love, hospitality, humility. And today, God has invited us to visit, to share with another attitude. Our scripture reference, once again, as we have for the last three weeks, is found in Romans chapter 12. Today's verse is verse 14. And we're reading out of the New Living Translation. Once again, congratulations to all of the graduates. We are so proud of you, as Pastor Antoine and Sierra said, uh, doing a very difficult time. Many of you finish virtually at home, but you persevered and you finish. And we thank God so much for you. I often tell young people, perhaps the greatest resource you can have is perseverance. Because if you can persevere through difficult times, you can finish. I've known graduates to go back at 50 years old and finish their degrees. In fact, my father got his GED as a grown man sitting in a classroom at Midlands Tech, went on to CIU, worked on his bachelor's degree as a grown man because he never gave up. He always persevered. So congratulations to all of you. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Do me a favor. Would you mind standing just once again? for the reading of God's word, just something sacred about honoring God's word. Amen. You can stand for the president. You ought to be able to stand for the presence of God's words. And I must confess, Dick and Carlo, some presidents of lately, uh, it it probably would have been difficult to stand for. But you didn't stand for him. You stand for what he represents, okay? And so we are standing for what the word represents. Listen to this one verse. Good to see so many of you out here this morning. So good, so encouraging to see so many of you here. 
Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Listen, pray that God will bless them. And we ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated in the presence of God. For the next few moments, we want to talk to you from the subject an attitude of forgiveness. An attitude of forgiveness. As we said early as we introduced this message, throughout this series that began in the first Sunday in June of this year, we have been speaking about a new way of thinking for those of us whose lives have been transformed by our faith in Jesus Christ. The greatest thing about conversion is the transformation of our minds, the changing of our minds. Change your life by changing the way you think. Listen, there are very few things in life more transformational than that of forgiveness. Forgiveness is powerful. I want to talk to you this morning. I said to the congregation at eight, with this series, God has challenged me to even preach it uh, from a different perspective. It's not about evoking your emotions, getting you uh, to feel outwardly joyous. But I want to challenge the way you think. Challenge you with God's word. Listen, the act of forgiveness not only transform the person that has been forgiven, but it also changes the person that's doing the forgiving. If you want to change you, forgive somebody else. <laughs> if you want to see a change in your life, ask God to deal with what you are harboring Whew, inside of you. Uh, unforgiveness is an internal emotional cancer that eats away at your true happiness and your true peace of mind. Listen, forgiveness provides a sense of freedom for all parties that are involved, those that are forgiven as well as those that have made the decision to forgive. The Bible says, who the son sets free is free indeed. Although God can set you free, but you've got to let it go. Amen. And if you are unwilling to let it go, you will never be free. Now it is important, listen to this, that we not only learn how to forgive others, but it is important that we also learn, please don't miss this. Uh, look at somebody 
beside you, don't touch, just look and says, don't miss this. It is important that we learn how to forgive ourselves. Look, I am convinced that there are many of us today who are walking around in a state of bondage simply because we've not been able to forgive ourselves. Giving ourselves matter. You will never be free. You will always have internal conflict. You don't learn how to forgive yourself. Perhaps the best example of this is found in the book of Genesis chapter 32 involving the story of Jacob. Jacob, the heir to Isaac, who was the heir to Abraham. Jacob, who was in the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, who had the birthright of Israel, not because he earned it, but because he stole it. But Jacob, although Esau had reached the point that he was willing perhaps to go on, Jacob could not get over what he had done to his brother. Could not get over the fact that he stole his brother's birthright. Book of Genesis chapter 22 begins the story around verse 22 somewhere. You can read it later. And it talks about Jacob was going to have an encounter with his brother Esau. He and Esau would finally, after 20 years, Pastor Mac, they were going to meet and introduce each other to their families and see if they can get it together. But Jacob had a problem with Jacob. Jacob could not get out of his mind and his spirit what he had done. Here's what the Bible says. And the Bible says an angel of God visited Jacob and Jacob wrestled with the angel all night long. Bible tells us that Jacob would not turn loose and the angel, New Living Translation calls it the man of God, said to Jacob, what is it that you want of me? What is it that you want me to do? And Jacob says, I need you to change my name. I, I, I need you to set me free. Help me set myself free by freeing me of the guilt that I have for stealing my brother's birthright. Jacob would not turn loose, although the angel afflicted him physically. Jacob held on. And the angel finally said to him, I changed your name. You will no longer be called Jacob, which meant treacherous one, but I'll call you Israel. Woo. Jacob, before he met Esau, had to deal with Jacob. What are you saying, Pastor Jackson? Before you can forgive anybody else, you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to get with just you and God and say, Lord, I know I've messed up. I know I've done wrong. But because you set me free, I've got to set myself free. Anybody ready to set yourself free? Clap those hands. Give God a hand of praise. If you know that it's time to set yourself free. Listen, Jesus in Luke chapter 11 and verse 4 tells his disciples, that they should ask the Father to forgive them of their sins or their trespasses as they forgive those who have sinned or trespassed against them. 
Forgiveness matters. Jesus says, as you learn how to pray, make sure that the Father, uh, you ask that you forgive. Uh, it's important, I told you the example of Jacob and forgiving others. But there are two other quick examples before we get to the text in the Bible dealing with forgiveness that I would like to call to your attention. One involves Joseph. And it is found in the book of Genesis chapter 50. You go back and read it. It is verses, particularly Genesis chapter 50, verses 20 and 21, the New Living Translation. Let, let, let me, uh, 50, chapter 50, verses 20 and 21. Uh, let me share with you the context of this story. And so, Joseph brothers had done him wrong. You know the story. They sold him into bondage. His own brothers sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. They carried him to Egypt, went to the house of Potiphar, stood by his convictions, ended up in a dungeon and a prison, but God made a way. When God's for you, who can be against you? God made a way. God rescued him from the pit, from the dungeon, and now here is Joseph sitting in the palace. Joseph, Elder Chorus, sits in the palace on top second only to Pharaoh's. He now has an encounter with his brothers some 20 plus years later. Same brothers who put him in the pit, same brothers who sold him into slavery, same brothers who wanted nothing to do with Joseph. Now they need him. And the Bible says, may I share this with you? The Bible says they approach Joseph and they realize this is our brother that we betrayed, that we hurt. And now they fell down at his feet and began to worship uh, Joseph. And Joseph instructs them to get up. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph shares these most profound words with them. He says, and I quote, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Whew. I like the way the King James says, well, you meant for evil. God meant it for my good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. But look at verse 21. Look at what Joseph went on to do in verse 21. And I want to share it with you because it wasn't just enough to bless his brothers. But now, therefore, do not be afraid, Joseph says. I will provide, I will bless you and your little ones. In other words, not only am I not angry at you, but because I've forgiven you, I'll bless you and your family. Because what you thought would take me out, took me up. And I, I wish I just had a few witnesses. This would be a good time to put a quick praise on things that did not take you out, but took you up. Am I in the right church? Anyone virtually? What did not take you out, took you up. Somebody said, but God, but God, 
share one more example before we get to the text. The text isn't very long, so I just want to put some context around the text so you understand what forgiveness is all about. So, in the gospel that was recorded by John, chapter number eight, we run across perhaps one of the greatest examples in the New Testament of what forgiveness is all about. Beginning with verse 3, uh, the Bible records an encounter with Jesus and religious leaders who brought before Jesus a woman who without a doubt was guilty of adultery. Uh, the Bible never disputes her guilt. <laughs> In, in fact, she never disputed her guilt. Uh, the religious leaders were not concerned about the woman. They were more concerned about finding out what Jesus' theology was. Ooh, I wish I had time to preach. I'm so sick of religious folk forgetting about people who need help arguing about theology. Nobody cares about your theology when folk around you are dying and going to hell. So they bring this woman to Jesus uh, and they, verse number three says, they put her in front of the crowd. Isn't that just like fake religious people? They brought this woman and they embarrassed her, put her in front of the crowd. And they said to Jesus, this woman, verse 4, was caught in the act of adultery. Uh, the law of Moses says she ought to be stoned. What do you say? <laughs> they were trying to entrap Jesus. Verse 7 says they kept demanding an answer. So eventually, Jesus did not say anything at first. Uh, he just kept writing on the ground. But then he got sick of their foolishness. <laughs> ah, before you condemn somebody else, you ought to know that Jesus knows what's in your book. He knows what's in your life. Before you begin to point the finger at anybody else, you ought to know Jesus knows your downsettings and your uprisings. He know what you did last night, last week, last year. He know what you wanted to do last night but couldn't find anybody to do it with. <laughs> he knows everything about you. So Jesus got fed up with all of these hypocrites. And Jesus lifted up from the ground and said to them, all right, I know what the law says and you are correct, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. All right, all of you sanctimonious, sanctified, holier than thou, quote scriptures all day and all night. 
sending everybody else to hell before you send another person to condemnation. If you've not sinned, cast the first stone. Can I ask you a question? I preached this 20 years ago. Can you throw a stone? Mighty quiet in here. I just need somebody to be honest and say, no, pastor. I can't throw stones because you got some stuff in your own life that if it had not been for grace and mercy. <laughs> some of you got some stuff that's covered under the blood. Some of you got some stuff that God says, I keep this between you and I. Not even your wife, your mother, church folk, nobody knows about it. But God! So Jesus says to them, you throw a stone. Then he stooped down again, verse number eight, and wrote on the dust in the ground. We don't know what he wrote. I've heard all kinds of sermons. I've heard somebody, and the one I'll go with because it sounds the best, <laughs> is that perhaps he just stooped down and he wrote some names on the ground. Randall Mac Jackson, Harold Cuff, Al Briggs. Right, maybe he wrote, some, wrote your name, so-and-so, mother, so-and-so, deacon, so-and-so. He wrote on the ground. Then he drew a line under your name and began to list all the things you had done. And he said, now, if you want to throw a stone, knowing I know everything about you, go ahead and do it. And the Bible says they all drop the stones and walk away. How many of you are glad that God is in the forgiving business? Because if he had not forgiven you, none of us would be here today. Somebody ought to give God your best praise. Somebody ought to give God your best praise. Thank you, Lord. How many of you are happy to have been forgiven? How many of you are great and glad that you have been forgiven? Don't fool me now. All the folk that are happy that God one day forgave you, you don't have to stand up long. But just, 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 just one time. Tell the Lord, thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Thank you. Didn't have to do it. Didn't have to do it. Didn't have to do it. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Brother musicians, y'all are bad boys, man. Don't push me. <laughs> Look at the text, and we're done. Look at the text, and you can go home and take a nap. Amen. Look at the, I know some of you are ready to do that. Don't fool me now. I know some of you can't wait. 
Amen. Go home and take your nap, including yours truly. (laughs) So, in the text, Jesus says in chapter 12 of the book of Romans and verse 14, real simple. He says, bless those who persecute you. (laughs) Don't curse them. Don't talk bad about them. Daryl's adding that. (laughs) Don't tweet about them. (laughs) Don't put their business out on social media. But pray that God will bless them. Three key takeaways from this one verse. And we're done. Number one is this. As people of faith we will experience persecution. That is an insight that is gotten from this text. He he talks about persecution not as if it is a possibility, but that it is inevitable. A man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. You will be hurt. You will be let down you will be disappointed in this life. Here's the second part of this first takeaway or observation. Often by those we least suspect. One thing to be heard by your enemies. It's another thing by those you least suspect. The prophet Zechariah says in Zechariah's chapter 13 and verse 6, I was wounded at my friend's house. (laughs) Don't miss this. Not at my enemy's house. Uh, But I was wounded at my friend's house. How many of you ever been hurt by a friend? How many of you ever been hurt by a loved one? How many of you ever been let down by someone you never thought would do that to you? I've had people say to me, Pastor, I never would have imagined that that person would do that to me. I was wounded at my friend's house. (laughs) I was hurt at my friend's house. (sighs) No hurt like being hurt by familiar people in a familiar environment. Hurt by church folk. Hurt by choir members. Hurt by folk who said, I got your back. But never meant it and should have never said it. Okay. That's what Zachariah talks about. So takeaway number one is that as people of faith, we will experience persecution, often by those we least suspect. Takeaway number two, insight or observation number two. As people of faith, we are expected to bless those who persecute us. Look at what the text says. The text didn't say talk about them, 
But blessing means doing something for it. It is forgiveness in action. If you want to really do something incredible, do something good for somebody who will never do anything good for you. Do something good for somebody, in fact, who hurt you. Someone who made you feel bad. Someone who let you down. The text says we ought to bless those who persecute us. The word persecute is an interesting Greek word. It goes a little further than just letting you down. It meant someone who, by their deliberate action, hurt you or made your life more difficult intentionally. Woo. So the text tells us that an attitude of forgiveness is when we bless those who have hurt us so badly. And then the third and the final one as we begin to wrap this message up. Third and the final one says this. As people of faith, look at what it says. We are encouraged to pray for God's blessing on those who persecute us. <laughs> we pray too much just for ourselves and our own family. God says, show me who you really are by praying for your enemies. <laughs> Look at what Jesus writes in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Ooh. As opposed to just praying that God bless me, my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter, us four, and no more. Pray that God bless those who hate you. Pray this week that God bless those who really made your life miserable. <laughs> Prayer works. And if you're going to be set free, then you've got to understand that once you pray for somebody else, then God will liberate you. I tell you all the time about the text that says, and when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord turned the captivity of Job around. We talked about that last week. When you learn how to pray for somebody else, when it can't be all about you and it's Lord bless them. Lord do something good for somebody else. God will set you free. You will sleep good tonight. God will bless you with blessings on top of blessings. Why? Because your attitude of forgiveness not only set your enemy free but it sets you free. Anybody know what God can do? It takes an act of surrender. In order to make this happen, it takes an act of surrender. Why do you say that, Pastor Jackson? Because the enemy is so intent in destroying you. 
so intent in keeping you down. Only way we could have this attitude of forgiveness is that we've got to reach a point in our lives in which we stand before God and say all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live anybody ready to surrender right now as our young adults come back clap those hands and tell as you stand to your feet wherever you are right now the Lord wants to set you free but in order to set you free in order for you to free yourself you've got to surrender to the Lord it's not about your enemies Jacob prayed to the angel notice the prayer notice this this blessed me in such a way uh, in such a way in fact between the 8 and 11 o'clock service Mac I went into your office and I began to read this and I just prayed and I said and the Lord dropped I had read this text all of my adult life but until today when I read Genesis 32 God dropped something in my spirit God said Jacob never prayed that the angel changed Esau because it was Esau who was out to get Jacob. He never said change Esau's name, change Esau's nature, but he said, Lord, change me. I surrender. If Esau never surrendered, that's his business. But here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. I surrender. The altar is now open. Perhaps someone in here today, you've been struggling and wrestling and dealing. And the Lord says, I want to set you free on this day, on this Sunday. Leave your seat right now. Walk down those aisles and come on, stand at the altar. To those of you that are viewing the works of the Thank you, Chevelle. Thank you, young adults. I, I surrender all to him. Lord, I, I that's right. Come on. Come on. You can't be concerned with what other people are thinking about you coming to the altar. This is just you and God right now. Just you and God right now. And trust, trust him in, ah. in his presence. Lord, daily live. Ah. Daily live. Can we lift it up and say, I Thank you. That's right. Join these young people Father, right now.
that God has to change you. It really isn't about God changing anyone else. I learned that from my own personal experiences. When you've been wounded by those you trust, it's hard. And God says you got to forget about what they did and think about what it's doing to you. And I said to the Lord, Brother Quentin, I, I, I said to the Lord, to all of these wonderful young adults, I said, Lord, ooh, I've got to surrender my own anger. Ooh, I have to surrender my own animosity. Ooh. And Lord, help me to set myself free so that I can live the life that you had designed for me to live. And it wasn't until I began to ask God to bless somebody who hated me. 
that wanted to destroy me, God turned it around for me. And now I'll tell you, I stand here today with no animosity, with no grudges. Uh, no, some people never apologize to me, but I stopped looking for the apology. <laughs> because it really wasn't about them. It was about me developing an attitude of forgiveness that would bless me. And I know I'm speaking for someone now and talking to someone. God says, I'm going to change you. <laughs> and that person who hurt you, they're still nasty. And they're still mean. And they're still out there hurting somebody else. But that's all right. It's not negatively impacting your life anymore. One time before we pray, Chevelle, lift those hands and I surrender. Sing, I surrender. I surrender. Lord, I surrender. I surrender. We surrender now. I Surrender to you, Lord. All to me. You're a blessed Savior. We give it all. We turn it over to you, God. And we surrender. Yes, Lord. So here we are, Lord. Standing at the altar, wherever that altar may be. Some are in their kitchens, some perhaps on their knees in their bedrooms, some perhaps riding down the street listening to their radio. <laughs> some are here in this worship center, in this sanctuary, standing at this altar, some are at their seats. <laughs> But we all stand before you saying, help us to release it, Lord. Ooh. Give us an attitude of forgiveness. Life is too short for us to be eaten up inside by things we should have let go a long time ago. And so on this day, we're letting it go. We're releasing it. We're free because you've set us free. Thank you, Lord. For those who are still dealing with it, those who are not yet convinced, ah, let them realize there has to be a change in their lives. Let them accept you as their savior let them prioritize your will and watch you change things in their lives this is our prayer in your son jesus the christ name we pray and give thanks and everybody that know it is so said amen i surrender the ministers are at the back if you're here and you want to join the church if you want to just be prayed for, 
if you want to be prayed for, wherever, if you want to make that commitment, the elders and the ministers at the back, call that number on the screen. Call the number on the screen. Call us right now. Blessed, blessed. Oh, come on, if you, if right now, if you want to make that commitment, one more time, everybody, Lord, I surrender. Thank you, Lord. Not my will, but let your will be done. I surrender. Lord, as they softly sing, it is now time for the benediction. But before we do that, I want to just remind you and thank you so much for the vision offering seven dollars a week what has God done with seven dollars I said to the congregation this morning that at the beginning of the year we we wondered what God can do in fact somebody said to me pastor what can you do with seven dollars and I said, you forgot who's multiplying. <laughs> I says, when God does the multiplying, it's more than enough. And I want to thank each one of you. One dollar a day you set aside to be a part of God's vision. And what God, those of you that are viewing, thank you for the letters you've sent. Continue to send them. Thank you for the offerings that you've sent. And pretty soon when we announce the vision that God has given us and you see things happening, our goal is to be able to break ground on projects in 2021. When you see what God is allowing us to do because of your faithfulness, you would say, but God. Mother Lord say, who would have believed it? It was only God who can take a handful of people and do so much. So I say thank you. I say thank you. And I want to say this to those of you who do not have to give, never feel ashamed. Never feel ashamed. Amen. God will never condemn you for what you do not have. Amen. Just pray that God will bless you, that you will be able to plant a seed. But you hold your head up high because you are just as important as anyone who's given any amount. It's not the amount, it's the intent of the heart that God judges. Amen. Thank you very much. Come on. I surrender. I surrender everybody. Tell them. Uh, as we stand for the benediction. Uh, thank you, Lord. An attitude of forgiveness, Lord, I surrender. Sing, I, I surrender. 
they ought to mean this. Tell them, Lord, I all to thee. Join us next week. Our message next week, I don't usually do this, but I just throw it out, is an attitude of empathy. Pastor, what is empathy? You got time to go look it up, okay? An attitude of empathy. Not feeling sorry for somebody, but feeling what they feel. Okay. Get a neighbor and a friend and invite them to join us on next Sunday as we share yet another attitude, an attitude of empty. Now may the grace of God, the sweet blessings of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with us all now, tomorrow, and forevermore. And the church said amen. Wherever you are, said amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing. Yeah. God bless you. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. If you desire prayer, please call one 776 one, two, three, eight. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to both members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account. You can give via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will also be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please be sure to share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website. That's bwcar.org. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-123.